Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. This past week, Jason had the honor of preaching, and he took us to the book of Judges, a book we don't look at very often, and his sermon was two great questions asked by Samson's father. We're going to kind of stretch that out a little bit, and there's several things in that we want to talk about. Really encourage you to, uh, if you haven't, to listen to that lesson, and if you've listened to it, you all listen to it a second time. A lot of great thoughts there. Really, it's one of those lessons that makes you look at yourself, and that's the best kind of preaching when it makes us look at ourselves, see where we are with the Lord and where it should be. But the sermon was about a man by the name of Manoah, and if we had not heard this sermon, I imagine majority of us, myself included, would be scratching, okay, that sounds like a Bible name, but who is that? Who is that? Where is that? Which, which before we get to the sermon, this is, this is a question that sometimes people have about the Bible. You know, it could be a lot shorter book if we didn't have all these little stories in there. So it leads up to the story of Samson. Samson's the judge, not his dad. And Samson is really what we put our interest in. So why the story, why the backstory of Manoah and all this stuff that leads up to Samson? Why does that matter? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are several ways maybe to answer that. Like you said, as as we turn in our Bibles to uh, Judges chapter 13, even the little heading provided by my English translation just says the birth of Samson. It doesn't even mention Manoah. And of course, that's what most are looking for. Where in, in the book of Judges can I start learning about Samson? And uh, Lord willing, this coming Sunday, we'll actually go back and, and draw out another lesson or two from the life of Samson. But I would say, first of all, (laughs) it reminds us everybody has a story. Everybody has a history. Nobody is born into a vacuum, Samson included. The the circumstances of his birth, if you read Judges chapter 13, were miraculous. An angel of the Lord comes and talks to Manoah and Manoah's wife. We're not even told her name, but it gives us a sense of, where Samson came from, uh, it puts a face on some big biblical principles. You know, our our two huge questions from Sunday were, what is to be my manner of life and what is my mission? What I love about stories like this is God is not simply saying, listen, live like this and do these things. He's providing faces and, and, and real life flesh and blood people. That makes it a little more relatable. But I would also just throw out, I mean, we know precious little about Manoah other than really this episode. But I do think it serves to show that just because one generation is asking the right questions, it doesn't necessarily mean the next generation will ask the right questions. And, of course, the book of Judges is full of that sort of a principle. So my hope was 
to get some curiosity going, who was this man, but also to use him to connect these two really important questions to us in the 21st century. And, you know, and, and that idea follows throughout the Old Testament, particularly. We get into the kings, and we read about this king, and then he dies, his son takes over. Oftentimes, like in the case of Hezekiah, he had a terrible father, grandfather, even his son was not following the Lord. But he rose up and did what was right. And so it, it reminds us that sometimes even in our lives, maybe we didn't have the best parents. And, but, but that's not a place to hang our hat on and say, well, that's my excuse in life, and I didn't have a good start. Uh, it, it reminds us that life is about choices, and we need to follow the right choices. Now, I'll tell you two questions, and I love questions. I mean, uh, uh, I'm getting ready to teach a class about questions, and Jesus taught a lot of questions. He asked a lot of questions. A lot of that questions was asked of Jesus. But to these two main questions, what is to be my manner of life and what's my mission, how are those two questions connected? Yeah, I'm, I'm, if I were the one writing the question, I think I probably would have started with what's my mission. But it's interesting to me that Manoah, of course, he's asking this angel of the Lord about Samson. And so he asks it uh, from the standpoint of this child, what is to be his manner of life and and what is his mission? If we start with the mission, well, that's the doing, right? That's the action. God, what do you want of me? What do you want me to do? And it seems like, to me, we spend a lot of time talking about that uh, as individuals. What's my mission as a disciple? What's my mission as a husband, a dad, a mother, a, a, a wife? What What's our mission as a church? I love that these are attached together in the same sentence, because if the mission is the doing and we just leave it on its own, it's easy to look at that just as a checklist. Okay, tell me what I got to do, A, B, and C, and once I do those, that's my mission. By adding manner of life, that brings the heart into it, right? There are plenty of people who do good things with rotten attitudes. Plenty of people who make an impact in the world that is positive, but they have rotten to the core hearts. And so by putting these together... The mission is, okay, what am I going to do? But the manner of life, that speaks to what needs to be going on on the inside to fuel the fulfilling of that mission. You know, I, I kind of see this as, as the mission is my destination. What, where am I supposed to mm-hmm. go? Where am I supposed to be? And then my manner is how am I going to get there? Yeah. And and I, and and you cannot separate the two. They are linked, and that's that's why I brought that up. I wanted us to see how valuable that is. Now, in, in the in the process of talking about the manner, you you asked us to fill in three great questions. I am a blank. Mm-hmm. This week I'll blank, and I'm passionate about blank. Mm-hmm. When it got to this week, I'll, I wrote down teach. <laughs> I was thinking right now what we're doing. We're doing yes. podcast. We're teaching, and so that's what we do. But, you know, for a lot of people today, uh, they don't see it that way. Uh, you know, the, I'm a victim because of the way I was raised or society has, has dealt me some bad cards. And so, so rather than I am a, um, 
I'll let life choose that for me. I'll let the environment choose that for me. I'll let other people decide that for me. And how, how would you respond to that concept? Yeah, well, we, I, I'm reaching back. It's only on my mind because I'm going to be preaching it, Lord willing, later this month in a, in another place. But several months ago, our daily Bible reading took us to in numbers where the children of Israel have the opportunity to go into the promised land. They send these spies and the spies come back. Ten out of the twelve say there's no way we can do this. We were like, we seem to be grasshoppers in the sight of these giants that are in the land. And I tried to use that example to drive home what matters most about me. What matters most about you is not what other people think about you and not even what you on your own would naturally think about yourself. What matters most about you is what God says about you. And God told these children of Israel, go into this land believing that I will be with you. And so the principles stretches all the way to today. It's easy for us to believe things about ourselves that may not necessarily be true. Easy for us to swallow hook, line, and sinker who society or co-workers or, as you brought out, maybe our own dysfunctional families in the past have told us about ourselves. What matters most is who does God say that I am? I've been created in his image. I've, I've been blessed with time and opportunity to learn the story of my redemption and to be brought into his kingdom and participate in his mission in the world. That's what matters most. I, I, I really tried to hammer before the sermon was done that God's mission is bigger than all of these other aspects of our lives. And so when it, when it comes to our manner, we decide that. That's, I think that's, that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. We decide that. It, you know, somebody says, well, I, you know, I, I'm walking through a life like an Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. I'm just kind of always grumpy and down. Well, you've chosen that. Yeah. And here's somebody who's just miserable. Well, you know, I can't help it because look what's happened. No, you've chosen that. And I think I think that's something that people just do not really understand. And so we're not along for the ride. We make the choices. And so real quickly here, before we, we get to another aspect of the sermon I really want to talk about, there's at least four things that we determine in life. Number one, we, we determine what our marriage is going to be like. And, you know, you see some people with thriving, happy marriages. Others seem like they're fighting like dogs and cats. You wonder why they're even married. We determine that. And it's not outside sources, it's ourselves. Uh, we determine uh, our attitude in life, our outlook, whether it's going to be positive or negative, whether we're going to be a complainer or whether we're going to be thankful. That's something we choose in life. Uh, we, we choose what our life is going to look like. And again, that's tied into that mission in which we're doing. And then uh, above all things, our eternal destiny. 
God has opened the door, but we have to walk through that door. And so when we think about this manner of life, this attitude I'm to manifest, those are choices that we must make. And we can't say, well, this is just the way it is because of what's happened to me. Big difference in those things. Yeah, and the, if I understand it, the way that the Bible would speak to that is there is truth that we need to line ourselves in uh, in accordance with, right? There are all sorts of ways that we can get our individual lives, our marriages, our influences, our work ethic, whatever it is, all tangled and twisted. But the Bible consistently speaks to, okay, listen, you you may have made a royal mess of things, but you haven't changed the nature of truth. God has spoken truth. Now it's time for you, however you have been victimized or influenced or hurt by people or circumstances around you, it's time to align yourself with truth and allow truth to define your manner of life from this point forward. You won't find Jesus putting little asterisks by his commands. Uh, you need to do this unless. Yeah. And unless you've had a hardship in life, unless your daddy didn't like you, you don't have to do these things. You don't find that. And we find in our Bibles people overcoming incredible odds to do what they should. Part of your early part of your lesson was, was driving this point about being taught. Yeah. Uh, the posture of the, his heart, uh, Manoah, was he said, teach us. And you went through Psalms 119 where there's numerous, numerous verses yeah. about teaching me, teaching us God's law, God's word. Uh, what about that? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that it is uh, – it sure does seem to me the the most challenging aspect of working with people. Maybe it's a teenager in your own home or, or, or a co-worker who just can't figure out why I continue to go through the same sort of trials and, and troubles. A lot of times we convince ourselves, I've got it all figured out. I just need a break. Or, you know, I, I already know everything there is to know. I just don't know why I can't get life headed in the right direction. You know, you, you try and warn maybe a young person, listen, I've, I'm a little further down the road of life than you are, and I, I'm pretty sure I know how this path goes and where this path leads. You need to be careful taking steps down that road. And it is challenging. It is frustrating when someone says, I hear you, but I know I, I've got this. No big deal. What I love about Psalm 119, I just highlighted nine different times that the psalmist says, teach me, teach me, teach me. It is a reminder that I need, and I think all of us need, listen, I don't have all of the answers. I don't have it all together, all on my own. I need a savior. I need a leader. I need wisdom apart from myself. And teach me in just two words powerfully makes that personal, that God knows better than I do. Following his lead will be a choice. 
teach me is an expression of that humility that gets me pointed in the right direction. Absolutely, because uh, the person who thinks he has it all is not going to ask that question. And so I want to grab just a couple examples where the Bible talks about teaching. Psalms 90, verse 12, it was written by Moses. And Moses says, teach us to number our days. What about that? Yeah, well, that is just a way of saying, God, it's easy for me to live and believe that, you know, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to be here for another 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And Moses knew how fragile life was. It was a humble prayer. I I would rephrase it as, God, remind me that I only have right now. Let, let me make the most of what I have and live with an awareness that life doesn't last forever. You know, in, in the old cemeteries, you'd sometimes see on the stones a person's, you know, their name and then how old they were by years, months, and even days. Yeah. We, we don't do that anymore. But but what you do is when you number your days, you remember they're, they're few. They can yeah. be counted. It's not like... They go fast. They go fast. And then you realize that one day is not a lifetime. Uh, I may do something good today. Well, that's great, but uh, life's not over. I got got to get about tomorrow and keep doing things. And so, teach us the number of days is, is just one of the many things the Bible reminds us. And as we're walking with the Lord, how valuable that is. Another one's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter eighteen, verse one, where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Yeah. What about that one? Yeah. Well. Reaching forward just a little, if Samson spent more time praying, he probably would have kept himself out of a lot of trouble. But one of the first things we find about Samson's father there in Judges chapter 13, he hears some things that confuse him and he prays. That doesn't always come naturally to us, right? Especially when life is good. But the disciples saw something in Jesus that they wanted to be a part of. He didn't pray like a lot of the religious authorities around them. And they saw what a difference it made in his life. Roger, you and I and and those who've been walking with Jesus for a while, we need to pray in such a way that those coming behind us would say, I I want that blessing in my life. And, And I think what's interesting about the Luke 18 passage is, you know, these these are the disciples asking Jesus. They had grown up with prayers. They'd been in the synagogue. They'd been. It wasn't prayer 101. It wasn't now. Bow your head. Close your eyes. This is what you say. They knew the, the logistics of prayer. They knew that concept. What they didn't know is Jesus was praying all the time. Yeah. He was out early in the morning praying. He's up all night praying. Teach us to be like that is what I think they're asking. You, you, know, you came from heaven, and yet you constantly, constantly are talking to your Father. And there was something unique and special about that. And I think that that kind of brings that out as we think about uh, the need to be taught. There's so many things the Bible wants us to, to be like Jesus. It's a learning process. It's a lifelong process. A person never masters it all, but the person gets a good grip on things. And he does that by having an open heart and an open Bible and say, teach me. I want to learn. We learn from others. We learn by example. And all of this helps us to get that manner and that mission together, what God wants us to be. 
I like how, I mean, just listening to you, be like Jesus. That's the manner of life, right? God has given us a mission, and that's what I would really encourage our listeners to think about. Okay, here it is, Wednesday. We know what the mission is if we have been walking with Jesus for any length of time. But when we leave the church building on Sunday and we're out in the world, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's the manner of life stuff, right? Yes, we've got the truth, but will we speak the truth in? In love. That's the manner of life. We we know what God has said about, well, what I need to do to be a, a, a husband and a father, but will I be like Jesus as a husband, as a father, so on. And so even in our jobs, the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to say, work That's a part of the mission, but work as if you are serving the Lord. That's the manner of life. So this being Wednesday, we have our classes this evening. We our summer series is uh, finished. It's been an incredible series, and uh, it's all there on our website. We encourage you to go to it if you want, need to connect with any of those. But, Jason, tonight you're teaching... Yes, we are kicking off a four-part series for Wednesdays in September, and we're asking the question, what's a human being? It sounds really, really basic, but there are plenty of people in modern Western culture. We, we, we can't take for granted that anybody, especially young people, know what it means to be created in God's image, blessed with a body, ultimately a spirit that is going to return to the God who gave it. We're going to be exploring all of that, Lord willing, this month in September. Just last night, I was on some site, and the question was asked, I had to check a box, I'm not a robot. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'm not a robot, that's it. What about you in the auditorium? All right, so we had just four Wednesdays before we start up a new quarter, so for the the four Wednesdays in September, we're going to look at questions that have been submitted to us by the congregation. And there's just a, a number of questions that cover all kinds of topics. And so I've tried to kind of bunch them together by themes. And so starting tonight, we're going to start answering your questions. And that's what we're calling the class, your questions. Open our Bibles, speak as the Bible speaks, and see what we can come up with for some answers here. Lord willing, this Sunday morning, I have the opportunity to preach once again, and I'm going to stay right there in the book of Judges, and we didn't talk much about Samson this past Sunday morning, but I'm going to look at a phrase Samson uses repeatedly in his life. He says, like any other man. Samson didn't believe that he was like any other man, and it cost him dearly. When we act as if we are immune or somehow the exception to the rules of of life and, and the way that God has created life to work, we find ourselves in, in dangerous situations. And so uh, a portion of our lesson will be very sobering, but we'll flip that on its head and notice 
really good news from this phrase, like any other man. We would love to see you this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. for two brand new month-long classes. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.